Live life the Edgecorp way. Punch the clock. Keep your head down. Collect your pay. This is the day-to-day -day reality of working stiffs in a rough galaxy. But when the crew of the cargo freighter Calamity fails to catch break after break, their lives are turned upside down. Bad cargo, spiraling debt, and a woman's life on the line. All with the Golden League Crime Syndicate breathing down their necks. It's no surprise that these blue-collar folks get desperate enough to take any job. Can't let danger or moral compromises get in the way of their bonus checks. So goes life, far beyond the stars. Junction 21-03-82 was silent, dark, and cold. Well, that wasn't completely accurate. A barely audible electronic hum hung in the air. The still darkness was cut by a dim blue-white glow that came from behind a poorly secured panel. Before too long, a clacking, skittering noise echoes from down the junction's narrow corridor. The noise stops for several heartbeats. The hum and glow dominates the still space once again. More heartbeats pass before the clack, clack, clack surges. A pair of large compound eyes scan the junction. Antennas sway as if scanning the room. Well, that's just played sloppy, the Sheeran muttered quietly as they shook their head. Uh, come again, Ask. I missed that transmission. He had left his comm open to keep the dispatch up to date on his progress. Bolo, the dispatcher, was also keeping him up to date on the Vesk soap opera-esque was missing. D nothing, just a poorly secured panel. Esk took a few moments to secure the panel before moving on to their primary objective, the MK-33 converter assembly and the communications array. Some unknown error in the array was causing all sorts of notifications to flood the supervisor's comm. This in turn caused a flood of urgent notifications and obscenities to pour into the maintenance ops. Esk, one of two maintenance operators on break, was just about to watch the latest episode of Kaplan Valshuk Karthak and take a bite of his peanut butter and Gulnarth pod when the call came in from dispatch. He had looked at his counterpart, who was also settling down to eat after working through their last break. One of them had to take the call, but it was Esk who lost the game of Rick Shexo. Did Karthak find out about their evil twin yet? Hmm. Not yet. There was a close call, but that bark-eating Artoth was a transdimensional being the whole time. The real Artoth is living in an alternate timeline. The imposter Artoth is now working with evil Clarthok. I knew something was up between Artoth and Clarthat Prime after that heart-racing escape from the old Ozone. Mused Esk as they pulled open the control box for the MK-33. A week later, Esk was enjoying a julep cup in front of his favorite juice shop. He hummed a Rhyphorian melody happily while consuming his glucosamine-rich smoothie. The marquee above him flashed with the latest advertisement. 
At EdgeCorp, we produce everything from ration packs to planetary atmosphere converters. Our customers know to take it to the edge for their shipping, supply, and industrial needs, from colonization to terraforming, from the central systems of the packed worlds and the Vescarium to the vast. Join that legacy now. Take it to the edge. Ask tilted his cup slightly to read the small print, which went, an EdgeCorp product. Behind the flashy PR, the company didn't have the most stellar reputation. All the same, Esk sighed wistfully. It would be nice to get back into the vast. He didn't know how long he was lost in his memories. The subtle smell of Arudrel oil grazed his antenna, bringing him out of his reverie. His father had refused to use any grooming or skincare product that didn't contain an Aridel oil base. He half expected to see Rathrin when he oriented on the sense origin. Instead, he saw a small and stout human. They had just finished their meal. Esk estimated their age to be around 80. Their movement seemed measured, as if each action had a rehearsed strategy behind it. His keen eyes noted the muscle movements that preceded the steps of preparing to rise from their seat. Discomfort and annoyance flashed so quickly in their face, Esk almost doubted he saw it. The hidden strategy now included their footing. They seemed acutely aware of how much weight to distribute to their legs and at what speed. Once this invisible calculation was done, their grip on the table and chair eased. A silent sigh escaped their lips before they reached their tray. It only then occurred to Esk that he had been staring like a moon-blinded Zetic. I, I can get that for you, he offered politely, motioning to the tray. Oh, goodness gracious me, you gave me a fright. Their grip on the tray tightened, causing the empty bottle of Ludo's brand Yuku to topple over. So sorry, I, I did, didn't, I, I, I did creep up on you there, didn't I? Oh, a surprise here and there keeps the heart going. You probably added another ten years to old Drift Engine there. Their eyes twinkled jovially, all traces of any pain or discomfort gone. What an amazing transformation. You look plenty comfortable there, and I am already up. They shooed his three-clawed hand away and proceeded to take their trash to the disposal canister, thanking them for the offer and wiping some spilled smoothie from his coveralls, producing a tissue as if by magic. The next day, Esk nimbly moved through service corridors. His duties remained the same, but now he was acutely aware of his motions. This was the second time he had taken the form of a Sharon. The first time around, his chitinous exoskeleton had felt like a constricting lead weight, it had taken him a long time to adjust. This time around, everything felt natural. His first few days in a flesh form would usually probably feel awkward. He chuckled at the thought and once more became aware of his movement. He could practically fly through these corridors. How would his food court neighbor fare? He slowed his movements. He remembered the human's motions and expressions, but had many years to go before he would feel the toll of age on his body. Well, I can make paper-thin wings. No reason I can't apply the same principle to bones and shoe, right? Now, dearie, you have to make sure sections B and H have the same serial number, but add the reporting unit prefix on section B and the ops designation suffix in section H. 
I'll get it outsorted for you. Just don't let the logistics manager catch you forgetting. You don't want to be docked appropriately. The worry quickly left the Lashunta's face. Ah, like, you're the best, Miss Fanny. Aren't you sweet? Uh, Hurry along before Ishix catches you. Off you go. Crack, crack, die. She had just made the necessary corrections to the requisition document when she spotted him, a tall fellow dressed in a worn duster. He must be lost, the poor dear. Then he spotted her and headed in her direction. Howdy, partner. Are you Xanthippi Thandraxulus? Oh, oh, goodness. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it, youngin? Miss Fanny will do. If you're here for a requisition, those are handled in secondary Annex 7B. I, I can take you there. No, ma'am, I'm actually um, here to see you. He brought out a data pad and brought up a bid showing a Kevlari Venture Explorer holding its own against a Barrow Dirge Singer. The ship performed a series of maneuvers that surely were not taken into consideration during the ship's construction. I hear tell that was you piloting. Oh dear, that was an ordeal. The pilot was seriously wounded during the opening salvo. The ship was already operating with a minimal crew. I took the helm for a wee bit is all. That was some mighty fine flying. Flying is like baking, dearie. Uh, A little art, uh, a little science, and just a dash of magic. Friday Francisco smiled as he replayed the video once more before transmitting the reassignment request to Miss Fanny's datapad. Funny you mentioned bacon. I'm captain of an old ship, Calamity. She's no spring Lornax, but she's got plenty of heart. The company is still working on my request for a new pilot, but the request for a cook came in pretty quickly. How'd you feel about doing some bacon for me out in the vast? The Calamity comes out of the drift near the planet Voxa. And out of the front window, whoever happens to be on Calamity's bridge will see this small world awash in snow and rock with high mountains dotted here and there with lakes. All that's really in orbit around this planet are a few satellites, some suborbital refinery stations, and a large gunship currently heading your way. Miss Fanny, you notice that you are being hailed. Calamity... This is the Gitteron Authority attack vessel Falchion. Identify yourselves and your mission. Uh, she'll turn to the captain and patch it over. This is Captain Friday Francisco of the Calamity. We have a delivery for Commander Vash. Cargo? Weaponry, I believe, of some sort. Stand by. Friday and Fanny, if you are monitoring the science station at all, you'll notice that you are being scanned by the Falchion, likely to verify that you're carrying the cargo you say you are. Fresh fresh meat <laughs> getting fresh with us <laughs> <They're> so fresh <laughs> <laughs> one day old guns <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you did get here you did make it to voxa in a day so man we're getting <laughs> a pretty good delivery reputation we get things done in a day yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> we're the fastest gun in the west are we are we hired by amazon we are amazon yeah this we are amazon 
But that is the name of this episode. Fastest gun in the West. I just think that's hilarious. Fastest guns? <laughs> That is really funny. Literally. 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 Fastest guns in the vast. Ooh, even better. Nice. Yes. Yes. Hero point, Heidi. (laughs) Oh, sweet. I got a Dustin hero point to use in a Dustin show. Yeah, Yeah, no, you you save that for the next time Dustin jams a game you're in. It doesn't fly here in space. I do still have that hero point that you gave me in episode one. Yeah. I mean, you know. Just keep pand. Just say more Battlestar Galactica things, and you'll get more. <laughs> Miss Fanny's gonna send uh, the little text, little just a little Bing notification of you know contacted ship, stand by, yellow alert. And after after a minute or two, the comm comes back on. All clear. Proceed to New Praxis. Commander Vash is overseeing security at the dig site. Sounds good. New Praxis. Thank you kindly. <laughs> <laughs> Take us in, Fanny. Aye, aye, Captain. So Miss Fanny steers Calamity towards the evening side of the planet, where you'll be arriving at 1730 to the settlement of New Praxis. It's a mining town. Its most impressive feature being the wide mouth of a cave set into the mountain itself. There are two distinct forms of structure around the cave mouth. There's rough, permanent buildings made out of the widely available granite and slightly less widely available, if you don't know where to look, lumber, clustered mostly around the mouth of the cave with a wide main road leading down the middle. And then slightly separated and off to the side, there's an encampment of temporary structures, uh, mostly constructed from hard plastic, tarps, you know, the works. The second encampment is much larger, you will notice, and seems to be bustling a lot more. Everything on the permanent side of the structure seems to be fairly quiet at the moment. So as you're taking Calamity in, I wanted to check in with how the four of you are doing. This is a fairly complicated job that you've agreed to take on. You've had roughly a day to think about it since... That was how long it took you to get here. And you finally have the full details that you got from Tauster Zed last episode. So I wanted to check in with each of you and see how you're feeling about this particular job, starting with Capitan Friday. He's constantly weighing the moral ambiguity between saving his mom, which is family is first kind of on his priorities, uh, versus doing something that could have negative implications to others which holds almost equal weight, but just slightly is outpaced by family. I think Friday would do anything for family, and that includes his crew. And so I think he's just kind of winging it. Um, just going to go, and if he feels something's off, he'll make a decision then. But he's just going to keep going with as is until until that point. What about your co-pilot there, Miss Fanny? Uh, she's also feeling the conflicted feelings she tries to do no harm in the universe as just kind of a a general practice but she also is you know about walking in other people's shoes she's been a soldier you know she's been a civilian and in different forms and different mindsets in it you know last time she was in combat she knows about combat she has um you know been in those situations but their form was different their mindset was different she uh, or they had 
specific orders. They had kind of a specific mindset. Now they're taking on more of a matronly responsibility here in the ship. And just like the captain has his family keeping the ship together, she's really become fond of the people she's been traveling with. And she's thinking of, you know, is this going to go... Is this going to go smoothly? And even if it goes smoothly, there's going to be lasting repercussions of our involvement. No matter how brief it is, we, um, you know, we're putting our thumb on the piece. We're actively moving. You know, um, we we have impacts, uh, be it for good or ill. And you know, their jobs, at least uh, the last couple of ones, have man, they've gone sideways. You know what? On her mind, she's thinking about the conflict, but she's also, man, there's, you know, we're a small crew. Um, we're competent, but man, there's so many things that can go wrong. And this form isn't the beefiest thing or the beefiest form she's been in. I guess to summarize, it's, it's probably the, the same discussion they've had with themselves so many times. And also a little bit of, a little bit of fear just because they've, they haven't been in combat in a while, but the last time they had to be, they were in, you know, 100% and it just wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's all an excellent point of like really kind of figuring out like how, how far Fanny's commitment, commitment to the bit will stretch in this case. And uh, yeah, all, all, all good things to consider. Uh, Saren, I know Saren's got some feelings about this job. Yeah, honestly, Saren's stuff is really complicated right now. She's done some things that she's not particularly proud of. From an outside perspective, you know, this is just something for Jure to to help protect this little family that she's become a part of. She never really lived in one place or the other long enough to really call it home in that sense or to feel like that was in danger or anything. Um, She doesn't have a home in the sense of the hobgoblins reclaiming what used to be theirs or having other people come in to try and take your home away. And she might not be super comfortable with giving guns to people because that means that people are going to get hurt. Honestly, I think that she's kind of just a little bit okay with it because this is a job. These people are here doing archaeology. They're not even trying to, as far as we can tell, they're not even trying to, take over this world and they're being attacked, you know, by, by some other forces. So of course they need some way to protect themselves. And it's almost a little bit more pragmatic than I personally would, would consider the issue. Okay. Ballad. Last but not least. They are frankly unconcerned about any of the, outside impact their actions are going to have in this case uh as a solarian they understand that this ebb and flow that they're a part of is something inevitable in a lot of ways and that whether they become involved or not this is going to happen if not them it would be someone else and at least by doing this job that we're working towards something that is like important to Ballad in the moment. And that's taking care of Friday by way of taking care of his mom. These are the people she's with. These are her comrades in arms right now. And these are the people 
she wants to take care of. And that means we need this job for all of us, not, not just for Friday. Fr- that's the most pressing of issues. But for everyone else, it's like they need the money and we can't fall behind on our, our, our contract with edge corp or we're kind of screwed. Um, so that's her mind is also in a pretty pragmatic place, but they're also very, very much thinking of their own issues as I'm sure you understand, understand why, because it has, she just feels like it's all unraveling in her hands. Like, they thought for so long that they had made a clean break from Sinjin that they were not going to be found out by him because Xavius had set up this whole situation of getting them t- to work with Edgecorp. And as far as Sinjin was supposed to know, they were going to be on Absalom Station just doing like low key work there, waiting for him to finally hit his stride and come get them. And by no means did they, I mean, this has already come up several times. Like it just has Ballad baffled that he is already this powerful and is already like doing things on this kind of scale. And she is very concerned about what that means for herself Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she doesn't know how to field the conversation. Should it happen between herself or the crew and Sinjin, should that ever come about? Hopefully it won't because it seems like this is pretty hands-off for him. But it does seem like he's hot on her trail and he is probably still under the assumption that maybe maybe he thinks like, oh, uh, maybe she had to run away for some other reason because to do with the Golden League. Like, who knows what his mindset is? He could believe anything right now. He could be furious at her and be thinking like, why the hell would you run away from me? going crazy and that scares her more than anything because she knows that his anger is something to fear not for herself she fears for the people for other people that he is going to take that anger out on because he's never taken his anger out on her it always Mm -hmm. gets redirected to someone else so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like complex there's a complex stew of emotions going on there like i still love this man and i don't want to see him for so many reasons because it that's it's a weakness you know (laughs) this job is scary for that reason (laughs) yeah well it sounds like all four of you are in your own particular morally gray stew of all of your various uh histories personal choices uh you know pressures coming into a situation that you can tell as soon as you land calamity in sort of the largest available patch of flat ground closest to the settlement very very tense situation pretty much as soon as you lower the lower the ramp or cycle out of the airlock or whatever it is you do the the mood here is as if any sudden movement might set everyone off the the hobgoblin archaeology encampment is is close enough to the mining settlement that you can you can see a good chunk of both groups from where you landed 
Uh, there's definitely people hanging out, hanging around outside everywhere. As I mentioned before, there are many more hobgoblins than there are the the actual settlers. It's not that the Gitteron Authority sent an invasion force here, but you do, you would think that this is a slightly larger presence than your average, completely peaceful archaeological dig would have. But for now, everything is relatively fine. There are just people uh, outside of their homes, maintaining equipment, enjoying their leisure time. And you are free to do whatever you please. Commander Vash is likely located in the Hobgoblin camp, if that's where you want to go. There also appears to be a building in the permanent settlement that uh, it seems to be the largest, and it seems to be where the most people are just sort of clustered outside you see dwarves sheeran there's a vesk or two it might be a commissary type area i don't know about all of you but uh i could use a bite to eat that's not rations yeah you all want to grab a meal real quick what are you trying to say about my cook no i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> your cooking store no just kidding uh oh well, i i think fanny you do the best job possible with that with those rations but uh some fresh uh, meat and veggies and fruit might be a nice uh, change of pace if they have any. Ours, uh, my my stock is getting pretty low. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Saren pulls out uh, your cred stick and like presses a button and like looks at the totals. Um, I'll probably just eat rations. I I don't have that much weight in the I, way of creds right now. I'll buy. It's on me. Oh, thanks, Cappy. Just don't go for the top shelf stuff, please. No, of course not. <laughs> Where's the McDonald's? No, just kidding. <laughs> We're all getting dollar cheeseburgers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're heading for the commissary? Yeah, let's get the lay of the land before we, we dive into something that we don't fully understand. Uh, my uh, gut's telling me we, we better be cautious here. Best place to find out more is through food. Oh, but we should check in with Commander Vash's next opportunity to place a face with a delivery. Yeah, but before our faces become too identified, let's uh, let's see what maybe we hear something at the commissary. Oh, speaking of ballad nods, and she's gonna keep up her entire face mask. <laughs> Uh, like the full thing that looks kind of like a luchador mask uh she just has that on <laughs> nonstop. you know you know that makes you more identifiable not less identifiable right the only people who have ever seen this are dead <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay okay <laughs> well, an argument. <laughs> <laughs> but he's probably not here Probably. Oh, don't say probably. He's not. He's not here. No. <laughs> no Why would he not be here. here? He's not here. There's really. There's. There's no reason on earth. <laughs> who are you, Who are you talking to, Valid? <gasps> Just the voices in my head. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, Ballad can talk to God. Ballad can so. talk to God. So that's a character trait. Abby allowed me to really homebrew her. It's you know, a. <laughs> I, I granted. I granted dispensation for a very special feat. <laughs> talk to god collective mistress conversation <laughs> talk to god uh once per session you can tell the gm to make something not true 
<laughs> wow, that's that's that's, that's none, of the, none of the rest of you can have it. That's uh, that's that's Dang. Jess only. <laughs> Jess is the only one I trust not to abuse it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm responsible. Let's get going. Let's let's grab a bite. On the way there, is there a uh, I don't know like a roll a check um, just kind of surveying as we're there. Miss Fanny has uh, theme knowledge uh, with her quartermastering. So through intensive instruction and training, you've developed knowledge for the fields of military logistics, which has translated to your career as quartermaster. It basically lowers the DC of uh, checks to identify military-related technology, technological items or recall movement. Anyway, like in the military-related personnel supplies, is that kind of like something she can kind of do a check to to survey and kind of collect that information for potential use later or could be of use to the the team nice sure yeah okay um is there a check you'd like to make now or or is is yeah just if there's anything just kind of just to survey i don't perception or um yeah um mastering Quartermastering, I think, is what we're gonna what we're gonna use for this, since you know the lay of the land of military operations. Okay, not super great, but not horrible. So that's a ten. So sixteen total. Sixteen. Although okay. sixteen, although the DC is reduced by five on whatever it is based on the, the theme. based on the theme. Yeah, my theme ability. You would notice everything that I had that I had pretty much said is that there are. The hobgoblins are here in greater numbers than you would have thought based on uh, the nature of the enterprise. There's, but, but more than that, you're surprised to see that there is only one gunship in orbit for the number of hobgoblins that are located mm. on the ground. And you can surmise that reinforcements were called dropped off and then presumably there's a troop transport around here somewhere something else that you vaguely remember from when Saren was scouring the extranet to to get a little more information about what the situation is here that now that you're actually on the ground you can see is plainly true is that there's a, a satellite located sort of farther up on the mountain grafted to the top of it that you noticed as you were coming down in calamity that has been destroyed oh. and it didn't look to be of hobgoblin make that's what you know I, i'll let you make make what assumptions you like about the info but nice uh, nice check angel so the four of you arrive at the commissary. You stride through the camp. You just continue to note the tent situation. Don't get a lot of callers around here. So you're definitely four points of interest. And you would be even if you didn't look more interesting than everybody else who 
is hanging out here. And just before we come into this area, Abs, you see Friday pull a hand and rub it over his face. He just comes out a little more spark. His beard is a little brighter. His cheeks are a little rosier. His eyes look a little like anime eyes. They just kind of are big and like... (laughs) uh, He has cast Charming Veneer on himself, which grants uh, me a plus circumstance bonus to all charisma checks and charisma-based skills checks for the next 10 minutes. Level two is working out good for you, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You put on your good cowboy hat. Yeah, the cowboy hat has a little... Getting some little uh, embroidery to it and stuff like that. Some turquoise. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, okay. So with that, you arrive to the commissary building. You head inside through this little vestibule area. From how rough the outside of the building looks, there's some cushy booths along the right side wall, some scattered tables, a really long bar with various stools. The the miners here have had a few years to really settle in, make some nice permanent buildings. You can tell by the you know accoutrement that it's not the fanciest place and they don't have the most money, but they've been doing pretty well. Things are pretty comfortable in here. It's pretty empty at the moment. There are a few people at the, the tables over to the left side of the bar in the more open area. And standing behind the bar, you see a, an old woman, old human woman, uh, cleaning glasses. Howdy, ma'am. How's your day going? Certainly more interesting now that you're here. We don't get a lot of visitors, especially at the moment. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, we're an out-of-the-way mining colony, son. Well, yeah, but you made it sound like at the moment, like something's changed than usual. And while while we're discussing that, why don't you, uh, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll place an order for, uh, whatever you recommend, I'm sure you know, and, uh, some some iced teas. He he slides over his cred stick and go, make sure you add, uh, uh, five creds for yourself, or just, you know, you know, for the pleasant company and discussion. And, uh, just so you know, he's doing all this with a 26, nope, sorry, plus one, 27 diplomacy. Okay, um, she is quite charmed. Quite charmed. She was kind of suspicious and cranky when you entered the bar, but uh, that cred stick plus your sparkling, unusual features, she's warming up to you. When he smiles, his teeth do the little ting thing. Ting! (laughs) (laughs) She smiles at you much more warmly than she had a few moments ago swipes your cred stick across the bar it says like we have a lovely chowder that i just put on to heat oh that sounds amazing ma'am four bowls yeah four bowls and then one of those if you have any rocks in the back i know that sounds a little weird but if you could throw those into the chowder that'd be good we have some (laughs) i'm sure i can accommodate that (laughs) uh (laughs) some rocks and some gems yeah yeah that's fine if you have to pay it throw charge me a little extra for that i totally understand sure we got some loose granite around here somewhere and she bustles away uh, back to the kitchen throwing a glance at Miss Fanny by the way she has noted that you have more than the usual number of arms for a human (laughs) and the look she gives you is jealousy (laughs) oh right I know they come in handy that looks awesome Miss Fanny gives like a little slight knowing nod because wow she she definitely takes advantage of those in, in Calamity's little mess 
mess area, <laughs> little mess, the, the, the kitchenette. And uh, when she comes back, and I go, well, you know, we we're new to these parts. Can you kind of give me the lowdown here? I'm just just interested. All right. Well, she and she's setting out your bowls and uh, pouring everyone an iced tea. She leans closer to Friday. She's like, all right. Well, I'm sure you've noticed that. Well, there's a lot of hobgoblins just hanging around our town. A few, yeah. Can't have, can't have missed it. Would have been impossible. I believe there's a there's a battle cruiser in orbit as well. <laughs> if there were any more of them, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably be tripping over them all the time. We're already tripping over them more, more than we'd like, Sonny. And, uh, well, what I, what I said, it's unusual that you're here at this time. Like, things, uh... Things have gone bad recently. They originally showed up because, well, we found some ruins uh, on our on our digs. Uh, my my son is uh, is a miner here. You seem awfully proud of him. He is a fine boy, good at his job, and does a good job caring for me. Anyway, they broke through, uh, and they found uh, just uh, just some ruins. We didn't know what they were. None of us are, you know archaeologists and we we have in the past uh notified the starfinder society when we find ruins uh or or other items of note because the starfinder society pays a, a hefty finder's fee i suppose you might say uh in exchange for being told about things for them to come explore and investigate you get it yeah makes so sense. Imagine our surprise when instead of Starfinder Society agents, uh, the Gitteron Authority shows up in force. Well, I, I, I suspect they'd be up to no good then. It wasn't as bad as all that at first. It's a little rough around the edges, but we're unaffiliated with any particular government, and they really just seemed like they wanted to excavate the ruins, so it was fine for a few weeks. Well, then things got a little tense, a little heated. They, um, well, they wanted us to stop mining in in our mountain. The, this mountain is rich in sycotite. The reason we have all these comforts is we found such a, a, a good vein of sycotite. And they claimed that our mining was was disturbing the integrity of the site or or something to that effect. We're not just going to stop doing our jobs. There might have been a few uh, altercations between us. Is that what, why that uh, destroyed tower up out there is about? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they did that a couple weeks ago. Makes it awful hard to call for help. And then, uh, I don't know, and then they seem to double in size. What do you think is going to happen? Someone make me a perception check as you're sitting there eating your eating your soup. I rolled a natural one for a five. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Saren is too busy focused on the fact that uh, of uh, eating around the granite. Uh, she <laughs> she she does not like granite. It 
It gives your indigestion. Yeah, the old lady, the old lady plunked a a giant hunk of it in the middle of your chowder. <laughs> Rip. Well, one Miss Fanny's Fanny's gonna be noticing you moving your grand around and digs through uh, her bag to bring out um, a few a few crystalline little rations specifically for for snacking. Here you go, Jerry. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Keep your strength up. Oh, I got gosh, a thirteen really. perception, which is not. I got great a fifteen either. with my 15. plus zero. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, fortunately, um, this isn't this isn't hard to overhear because there's two very loud voices getting increasingly louder coming from behind a door up towards the the top of the commissary area. Uh, you know, one one voice, which uh, it's it's kind of incredible that Saren doesn't hear it because it's it's a tele it's a voice that you hear in your minds. <laughs> Seems, uh, and you would know was enough of Sharon's to know that they often communicate telepathically. They are capable of making it a one-mind-to-one-mind communication. But this Sharon seems pretty pissed. And now it's just on a broadband channel to every mind within range. (laughs) What? (laughs) Nani? I don't care, Vogue, whether or not this is the smart decision or whether or not you think we should wait to see how it plays out. My mate is trapped in there and I'm going after them whether you like it or not. You hear a low murmur of someone with a deep voice, a physical voice you can actually hear trying to like, calm down. I was just saying, no, I don't care. If you won't help me, I'll go alone. The old woman heaves a huge sigh, rolls her eyes a little bit. They've been arguing for, God, hours. Surprised you didn't come to a head earlier. I, I apologize for the disturbance. Finish finish your soup. I'll go check on them. Well, what's going on there? She looks at you, ordinarily wouldn't answer, but you did roll really well, and she does find you very charming. Damn right she does. <laughs> <laughs> Magically charming. Zobin. Well, it's really, it's Zobin's partner, Krisk. Uh, hasn't been seen in several hours. And, well, from what I gather, because occasionally Zobin just, well, starts yelling that way, as they do. Zobin is pretty sure that, that Krisk went into the ruins. Ooh. Ooh. Yikes. Why'd they do such a, something like that? Like I said, things are kind of, things are getting kind of tense around here. I, and Krisk has always been a bit of a hothead, <laughs> uh, charming, charming boy. But I think he thinks that if he can blow it up, the hobgoblins will leave. Oh, okay. Which they might, but I'm pretty sure they'd kill all of us first. Yeah, that that sounds like a. It's not a solid plan. Seems to be a lacking of whip wits there. Common sense. As you're having this conversation, the door in the back of the room just slams open. A very angry, very blue Sharon comes 
stomping out, glaring around at everybody in the room before just leaving out of the commissary front door. And right behind them comes this sturdy-looking dwarf, leaning against the door, just heaving a huge sigh. Ooh, I like the haircut. Oh, yeah. Me too. I was just He's got a good look. And he's dressed in decent-looking armor. The miners all have, like, decent sets of protective gear. His is uh, stylishly magenta and blue. He's got chestnut brown hair with a side cut. Kind of looks like Carl Urban in uh, Thor Ragnarok. He mm. does. Oh, that's blood <laughs> my undercarriage. That's Woo! accurate. Yes, played <laughs> played by Carl Urban. This dwarf is Yoda. I have become, and he sl- he slumps his way over to the bar, sits down on one of the stools, and bangs his head on the counter. Anya, do you have something um a little stronger than tea? Coming right up, Fog. Miss Fanny's going to whisper to the group. My, there's a lot of going on here. Friday will uh, move over to Fog and go, uh, how, to, how to, sir? My name's Friday Francisco. I I noticed you, you're dealing with something might stressing right here. Uh, anything I can do to help? Maybe just buy you a drink. Yeah, that would actually be great. Uh, Vog Mindbrewer holds out a hand. Uh, nice to meet you, sir. Plunks a shot of whiskey down on the down on the bar in front of Vog, but he shoots back immediately. Turns back to you, looks you up and down. Well, I know I didn't call for you. Well, partially because I can't. But no one really comes here. They don't already have a job. And since I'm the foreman around here, usually I'm the one who contracts with folk. Which means you're here. Working for the hobgoblins, am I right? Uh, that'd be true, but I had to say, uh, it's not it's not necessarily uh, by choice. It's more of a we need to take the job in order to survive kind of situation. Um, I'm just I'm not feeling too good about it. Kind of got a sour sot in my stomach, so I'm just making sure I understand the scenario before I subject my my crew to something that might not be savory. His mouth twitches. Well, I appreciate the honorable intentions. This is a very unsavory situation, and I'm afraid I'm not exactly an unbiased party here. What's the job? Working man to working man. You know, if you see Friday for the first time getting a little uncomfortable just because he does not like what he has, uh, it's it's doing some gun running. It wasn't really a, a choice in the matter. We, we had to do it. <sighs> well, it wasn't you. It was going to be someone. That's exactly my point, Valid. <laughs> <laughs> Valid's like sidling up because she's interested in this conversation. He and Anya share a small, private, satisfied smile. Seems some of their original armaments uh, mysteriously disappeared a couple weeks ago. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, real coincidence. Something might happen to these two. Valid tries to wink, but because she's wearing her mask, you can't see her eyes at all. So it just looks like she's weirdly tilting her head. <laughs> it's all very creepy, because I will remind you that her mask looks like a bunch of exposed teeth from the like on the bottom half. And <laughs> like very sharp teeth, so she looks just creepy in general, right? <laughs> just came up acting all normal. So so tell me this, Fog, is there getting the lay of land, I, I kinda get the feeling that both both you and the hobgoblins have just claims to why they're they're doing what they're doing 
Oh, well, other than the, the angry war mongering that seems to be going on. Is there any kind of amicable situation for this? You're asking the wrong guy. Well, who would be the right guy? Well, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Both of our groups are a far-flung, autonomous sort of deal. But we each answer to our own respective codes, and they have a much larger organization. This is me attempting to be extremely charitable. You understand? I, I, I understand. I, I'm just... My, my heart does not want a peaceful resolution, I, but I understand that it's probably best for everyone. What I want is for them to get the hell off my planet. I grew up on a farm planet, and every few years, some random corporation try to take over the planet to make it part of their farming conglomerate. All the underhanded things they did to try to take over. So I, I, I understand that. Definitely got to protect your own. If there's any sort of a pat peaceful solution that I can come up with right now, but you, you want to know what would certainly help is extracting Chris out of those ruins. I think I overheard Anya filling you in on the situation. Extracting Chris out of those ruins before he blows anything up would certainly go a long way towards a peaceful resolution here. Or at least, you know, not shooting at each other for another day. That 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 makes some mighty fine sense. Can I actually say that Saren followed the the Sharon left the building, right? Yeah, yeah. Zobin <laughs> Zobin bailed. Zobin's Audi. <laughs> Saren Saren fall, followed to try and have a conversation if that's possible. Ooh. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Let's split that party. Yeah, split <laughs> same, the party. Same. Miss Fanny will accompany you. She was very distressed. The conversation was going on uh, mm-hmm. telepathically. She seemed upset. Uh, let me finish up with Vogue here real quick. Mm-hmm. So Vogue looks over Ballad and Friday. They seem pretty dangerous. Ballad in particular looks pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> like small, but scary. You seem like you might be kind of used to dangerous situations. Is that... Uh, I mean, I can't pay a lot, but I can pay a little. Would you be able, I don't know, be available to help out? Yeah, if I can do this and kind of keep that from happening, keep them from blowing up those ruins, that might be a lead-in for me to try to get a peaceful resolution with the with the hobgoblins. Maybe instead of money, we use it as a chance. Maybe you uh, take that as an opportunity to, to put out an olive branch, so to speak. What? Why instead of money? Why not both? Or we could do both. (laughs) (laughs) He seems a little annoyed with you, to be honest. Let me do that diplomacy roll then. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and make me. Go ahead and make me a diplomacy because his instinct is to be kind of annoyed that a stranger showed up to a very tense situation in his settlement and is proposing like, well, maybe if you guys all just talked nice to each other, (laughs) (laughs) this wouldn't be a problem anymore. I roll the 16 for a 26. Jesus. Okay. I had mentally set that DC at 25. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. You still made it. Are you dumping all of your skill points into charisma or something? No. Uh, basically, what a witch warper is, is a um, an envoy with magic. So high charisma. Kind of a skill monkey. Yeah. Well, well, I don't get the skill monkey. The trade-off is instead of the skill monkey, I get a lot of spells. But I have limited access to skills. But one of the skills I do get is diplomacy and bluff, which are both plus nines. Yeah. Okay. And then with my charming veneer, I get a plus one to all charisma-based checks. So that gets me 26. 
Okay. Ooh, doggy. Your initial statement, there's still a flash of annoyance that crosses his face, but he takes a deep breath. <sighs> I gotta be honest with you. I don't know how likely uh, an olive branch is in this situation, considering the only olive branch they have previously desired is for us to stop mining, which is our entire livelihood. But you help us out and you can get them to the table. I'll try. If anyone can do it, it's good old cap in here. Ballad is sitting in that way that like she's on the stool with one of her legs pulled up real close to her body and she's like holding it with one hand and then holding a cup with the other with a straw between her teeth. <laughs> she just looks so uninterested but is still like inserting commentary the whole time. <laughs> Cause she's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, if I can't get them to put out an olive branch, maybe maybe I'll just let slip where that uh, guns drop off is being put at, <laughs> and you guys do what you will. But that sounds fair. Sounds like a deal. That sounds like a deal to me. You two drink on it, I imagine. Yeah. And we're going to pan away to the main the main street outside where there is a very pissed Sheeran striding towards one of the smaller, more residential-looking buildings with Saren and Fanny in pursuit. The Sheeran is walking fast. They're pretty tall. Are they Are they as tall as, as Saren is? Nope. <laughs> no one is. <laughs> Literally no one. <laughs> I can't wait to get to Shimansara and actually have other people that are the same the same height or taller. <laughs> yeah. Though I guess the Shobhad were taller. The right? Shobhad were taller. Oh, not yeah. by a lot, though. So. Although their presence certainly loomed large because they had muscles for days. Yeah. Uh, Saren will, I mean, assuming that we are close enough, um, we'll just... Uh, excuse me. Wait. Please. Can can I talk to you? Hmm. Make me a ah, sweet yes diplomacy. My best score. They're focused. They're not really paying attention to a lot. It's gonna it's gonna take it's gonna take a bit to get them to notice you. Okay. Are they? I'll wait for the roll. Rolled a fifteen with a plus one diplomacy. I put a point into it. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> for sixteen. Okay. They don't really break their stride, but they do notice between your call out and the fact that you are a very unusual looking person and very quite tall and are striding up over their shoulder. I don't know if Miss Fanny, if you're kind of struggling to keep up in the back with your old bones. <laughs> yes, she, Saren probably hears her say out loud. I was like, I don't ever remember. Was I, did I ever run that fast? <laughs> <laughs> which is just so great especially knowing that at, at on a whim miss fanny could transform and be more agile and faster and taller than saren if she wanted oh <laughs> uh, is is the the shirin within about 60 feet yeah oh then she's going to uh, da, 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 um, use limited telepathy to kind of connect, send out the little waves, and ensure and communicate. Oh, slow down there. These legs are not as young as they used to be. All right. Between that, Saren's call out and Saren being a very unusual looking person, 
they do actually glance confused confusedly over their shoulder. You see their many faceted eyes just twinkling, blinking a little bit. And they and they pause. Yes? Make it fast. Uh, I didn't hear, but someone said something about about you needing help or you going into some ruins? Yeah. Do you need help with that? It's hard to tell on Sheeran faces because, you know, insect people. A little difficult to people uh, who are unaccustomed to it, but perhaps the two of you might be a little more familiar. But they do seem a little taken aback. And you hear in your minds, I mean... Yes, I would love help, but why? Uh, my captain told me to try and help people more, so I, you seemed really distressed and, like, maybe the type of person that I should help. Yeah. Okay. I'm going into my house to get my weapons, and then, uh... Well, yeah. I'm Zobin. Zobin. I'm Saren. Nice to meet you. This is Miss Fanny. No, it's a telepathy. I'm going to say, I want to give her like a little different voice with the, the telepathy. Or, I mean, slightly, not too much, just because it's the mind. So the muscles are, mm-hmm. um, it's easier to kind of think in your native. Well, wouldn't it be wiser to have more people join you? Greater chance of success. Anything that would, would help, um, Many hands, she, you know, with her four, many hands make light work. I really didn't expect to get offers of help from a pair of strangers today. Uh, wait, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a pilot, and um, here's our uh, very skilled engineer. So definitely um, have skill sets that will be advantageous in a rescue mission. You know what? Good enough for me. And we care. That sincerity comes through, hopefully, mm-hmm. with the telepathy. Uh, yeah, go ahead and make me a diplomacy roll. I'm a plus one. That shouldn't be too bad. It's 14. But it's sincere, so hopefully that's <laughs> <can> very <laughs> sincere. Zobin watches both of you for a long moment. You see their thin insectoid shoulders just shrug. Honestly, I don't really care who you are, what you're doing here. I'm in no position to pass up help. Wait here. And they run into their house, come back outside. They hold up their shotgun and they go, they cock it. Let's go rescue my man. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds <laughs> oh, production. Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you can't get enough of us, we also produce a second show, the Fantastic Worlds podcast, based on the Reign of Winter Adventure Path for Pathfinder 1E. We also recommend connecting with our fantastic community on Discord and Reddit, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. If you'd like to support the pod, consider joining our Patreon by going to fantasticworlds.cash, where you can get access to behind-the-scenes content for all of our shows and a whole extra Pathfinder 2E podcast produced exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. I'm Abby, your galactic mistress. You can find me at Bonanza Famine on Instagram or Twitter. This is Heidi, uh, your concerned, shimmering, shimmering Saren. Uh, and you can find me at Vamahillion, that's V-A-M-I-H-I-L-I-O-N on Twitter or Heidelon, hashtag 5836 on Discord. 
And this is the ever-changing, well, not me, but Miss Fanny, Angel, <laughs> who operates Miss Fanny in her many forms. Uh, and I can be reached at Espinoza916. This is Jess playing Ballad, who's doing her best Noi from Dorohedoro slash a million other reference things, Bleach, yada yada, cosplay. And uh, <laughs> you can find me at Hank the Clank. And this is your sparkling cowboy, Friday Francisco, better known as Dustin Alexander, which you can reach me at Dustin Alexander because I am Dustin Prime. You sure are. If you enjoy our show, do us a favor and help spread the word to friends and family you think also might enjoy listening to us. And we'll see you next time, Far Beyond the Stars. Nice. Pew pew! Pew pew pew! Pew pew pew! Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder Adventure Path Fly Free or Die is a trademark of Paizo. Copyright 2020. All Paizo content is used with permission. For the for the next two hours, we're just, you know, You're five people bitches. having a no, good time. <laughs> or that. <laughs> I was going to go with something gentler, but no, you're all my bitches now. <laughs> you know what, Jess? Okay. Way to set the way to set the tone. <laughs> um, don't hear me complaining. Kiteness, kiteness, kiteness. <laughs> it's kiteness, damn it, <laughs> Abby, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> Say kindness, oh, you coward! <laughs> oh God! Oh. <laughs> Abby, you beautiful fool! Beautiful fool! Thank God your face looks like this. <laughs> um, oh God! Okay, this is a uh, this is the client. They're, that's to- this we is kosher. Some we we, got, for we you. got puppies and kittens in the in storage. No, just kidding. We got a bunch of weapons, guns, and weapons. We don't need you. puppies. We need guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing that's what I actually brought.